Well, that was just um, fun and just want to thank all the wonderful teachers that um, did such a great job with that. And for all the kids that are in here, um, whoever listens the best, you get a prize after. So um, it's, there's some waiting. So we're going to be watching. Your teachers are watching. They're going to let me know. And, um, and then your parents are going to buy something even extra special too. But um, you get something after service, all right? So we'll be watching. But, you know, you get to this uh, wonderful um, text here about Christmas. And um, uh, there's so much to share, right? So much to talk about. Um, on this. And I, I wanted to, before I jump in on, on all of that, I wanted to just spend, uh, um, share just a, briefly about all of our Be Generous um, events in the month that we had. And wanted to, um, you know, thank all of you for being generous and taking part. Uh, Jessica gave us, gave me some updates. We had, we gave gifts to um, 255 children through Give a Gift, um, and that's fantastic. This was the most I think we gave, and so uh, great job with that. We had 367 people volunteer and get involved during this past month, and um, all together with the lunch that's happening um, at 1245 later today and um, supporting NS Steps um, and the gifts and everything, we gave away, I think, close to over $5,000 worth of um, toys and, and gifts. And so just wanted to thank all of you and give yourself a hand. You did a great job. Great job with that. All right. I wanted to share briefly um, about the, the, the story about the shepherds. Um, and they're the ones that get the news first um, after Mary and Joseph, um, and, and they get this news. And um, there's two reactions, right? One is there's a reaction of fear. Um, they were greatly afraid, the Bible tells us. And we want to look at why, why were they so afraid. And the second part is, um, what did that fear turn into? How did they respond? Um, and kind of two parts to that for this uh, message. And I'm going to be zipping kind of through this as I share with you. You know, it tells us here um, in verse 9, right? An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, great, they were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. Why were they so afraid? That's the first part. Um, a couple things. You would imagine, first of all, uh, they're filled with great fear uh, because there are angels. I mean, you would probably be scared, too, if you were out in the field and angels showed up out of the blue. And so there is that kind of fear. But the second part of that fear is simply because they were shepherds. Um, why, why, what does that got to do with it? Shepherds were looked down upon in those days. Uh, shepherds the job of a shepherd was not something you aspired to be. You remember when David was out and they were, when, when the prophet came looking for the next king of Israel and they went through all of his older brothers and they're like, is it not him? Is it not him? Is it not him? And, and then they say, is there anyone else? He goes, well, there's David, the youngest, the least important, the least of our family, and he's out tending the sheep. And you remember when he goes to fight Goliath? The older brothers are at war, but the younger one, David, the least important, is out tending sheep. So that was the job of the shepherd. It, was, it wasn't that important. Not only that, it was looked upon as, um, you were looked upon as people who weren't as honest at times. You were looked upon as untrustworthy. Um, and uh, one of the uh, commentators, Leon Morris, says this, uh, as a class, shepherds had a bad reputation. 
The nature of their calling kept them from observing the ceremonial law, which meant so much to religious people. More regrettable was their unfortunate habit of confusing mine and your sheep around the country. So they were considered unreliable and were not allowed to give testimony in the court of law. So there is that part of this. Um, they were lowly. And think about it. If you are in that position and everyone looks down upon you, the last thing we want is someone showing up to us, an angelic being, saying, hey, we have some news for you. Because you're used to getting bad news. Shepherds were used to getting bad news. You're, you got caught for this. You're guilty of this. You've been accused of this. And so there was great fear. You know, it's, a, it's like when you get in trouble at school and the principal calls you in. If you have nothing on your conscience and you didn't do anything wrong, it doesn't bother you. But if you know, oh man, maybe I got caught for this or that or that time I was late or the time this happened, that happened. And a lot of thoughts come through your mind. Um, and that's what we see here. Um, they, they, they weren't worthy of this. Um, the second uh, or the third part of why they were so afraid is, you know, it tells us in, in the first part here um, that the one in charge, at least it looked like it was in charge, was Caesar Augustus in the first part of chapter 2. Caesar Augustus is mentioned. Caesar Augustus, just a little uh, bio on him, was the most celebrated of all the Roman emperors. He was the successor to Julius Caesar, which a lot of us uh, in the secular world know of, at least, and have heard. He was Julius Caesar's favorite nephew, and his, his birth name was Gaius Octavius. And when Julius Caesar was assassinated, on his will, he had called now his nephew, his favorite nephew, Octavius, as his successor. And so when he became the successor, he was given this name, Caesar, Caesar Augustus. Augustus means the supreme one. And this is the whole irony of this. Here is the supreme one. Here is the majestic one. Here is the ruler. And so it's under his rule that the shepherds are living. And now they're told, go and worship now the, the, the new king here. And so they're afraid. Uh, you would be afraid as well, because the people were so terrified of uh, Caesar, right? And there's times in the Bible, in like John 19, for example, when Pilate is trying to let Jesus go free before he's crucified, and the Jews start asking him, and they say this in chapter 19, verse 12, if you release the man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So they, they were putting um, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, in a very difficult situation. So are you, is Caesar king or is Jesus king? And they were making him choose. And obviously, if you lived in those days, in the Roman times, you would have to profess that Caesar was Lord. And so there was this fear, because if they got caught, and if they knew, um, and they were part of following a new king, um, they would be caught for treason. Um, they could be punished severely. But yet they go. Um, so they were afraid. But their fear, you know, the angels tell them not to fear. And they learn something and they take action. And this is the part I think all of us could learn from, from the shepherds. Um, the Jesus coming to the shepherds first is a sign of his grace. Because someone important shows up, you would want to call the most important people. But God, in his grace, calls out. He reaches out to those who couldn't reach out to him. He calls to the lowly people. 
the people working out in the way on the outskirts of society. The people who tend sheep, they don't even work with people, they tend animals. And here, God makes the announcement to them. And that's us. When we are called here, and as, as we have professed our faith, and the, in the youth group, guys, as you, your faith is growing in Christ, um, it's not because we are so good and we are so smart and we are so worthy. It's because of God's grace, 100%. So it is not a partnership, God, you do this and I'll do this. No, it's he calls out to us. And so what do we learn from them? And there's these four parts I want to run through with us this uh, special day. Number one, uh, the shepherds took action. They took action. It says here in verse 15, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It's interesting. They, they take this action. Um, as you know, when people get together in a group, it is really hard to move them. Isn't that true? Like after church today, you're gonna, some of you are going to sit in a circle with three, four, five friends, and it's going to take you a long time to figure out what you're going to eat for lunch. Right? We do this all the time. Where should we go? I don't know. What should we do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, and it's true in so many ways, but that when that one person says, hey, let's go do this, that one person maybe in your family says, hey, let's, maybe we should go to church today. And that one person says, hey, you know, there's this outreach thing. Let's go and join in. Let's go and help out. And it usually takes that one leader to move the whole group. How people work, when they get in a group, no one can make a decision. No one wants to be rejected. No one wants to look like a fool. And so they say, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Should we go to church? I don't know. What should we do? And you see the shepherds talk to each other here. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. And they were talking to each other. They take this action. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. We are all put in these predicaments. It's at work, it's with our families, it's with our friends. And it takes one person just to speak up. Uh, you guys in the high school, you guys in elementary, you could speak up. And say, hey guys, we should do this. Hey guys, you, know, you shouldn't talk like that. You know, we, we should live like this and we should do these things. It takes one person to have some courage to take action. And that's what the shepherds did. Um, he takes initiative. The second thing is, they, not only did they take action, but they obeyed. It's not so much that they were active, they were proactive, but they obeyed. They obeyed well. Uh, it says in verse 16, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying, lying in a manger. They went with haste. They went and it was in a rush. There was nothing casual about them going to see. Um, they were going and they were excited to get there. Um, since Thursday, you know, you drive around, and whenever you get to near the mall or there's a movie theater, what do you see? Lines and lines, and some of you are probably in those lines to go watch Star Wars, right? There is a sense of haste. And like people, hey, it doesn't start for, um, you know, 124 hours. What are you doing here so early? Well, you know, hey, it's, 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 there's a sense of haste. Right? It, it was something I wanted to get to. And this is the picture we have here, that they didn't go just slowly, but they obeyed and they went quickly. And they listened quickly in this way. Um, when you have an opportunity to obey God, when you have an opportunity to serve God, when you have a chance to do this and it's here, doesn't matter how old you are, and it's here, it's time to go do this. 
I just got back from speaking at a, another church retreat, and it was mostly it was college and recent grads. And they look, so, you know, they look so young. For first of all, you know, and and the pastor that was there, you know, I had known him since college, and then you know, seminary school, and it's been like twenty some years of friendship now, right? It's gone by, and I'm telling them, oh, I've known him, you know, since 1992 or 93, and they look. They were looking at me like, oh my gosh, you are so old. Like, they were, you know, I, like, I was born after that, around that time. Um, and I was like, all right, let's forget that. Um, you know, let me try to be, relate to you. But it goes by so fast. The time flies by so fast. And I remember being in their seat, and I was telling them, and I remember being in your seat and how fast it goes by. Don't ruin your 20s. Don't waste your life in this way. They obeyed. You are never too young. We have this misconception sometimes, like, oh, you got to go do this while you're young. Right? You, you, should, you, know, you should go sin while you're young, like while you're single. Go sin. And some people are like, yeah, I'm going to intentionally, yeah, I'm going to spend this year just sin because I'm supposed to do this. And the movies tell me, just go to Vegas. I'm going to do something, like, regrettable. Yeah, because I'm supposed to do this. And, I, and we, we've all kind of thought that at certain times. Like, if I don't do this now, when am I going to do this? No, the time to obey is now. The time to give your life to Christ is now. The third thing, and there's four things total. The third thing is they shared the good news, right? It says in verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They made it known to others. Now, good news, any news, is news if you share it. News that's not shared is not news just by definition. So if it's, I have good news, well, you got to share it. You ever do that to people? You know, I do that with my family. Sometimes I say, oh, I have good news and bad news. You know, I don't know where I learned that from, from a TV show or something. Yeah, I have good news and bad news. What do you want? What do you want first? And you're like, oh, just, just give me only, you know. And, but you have to tell them. You can't say, oh, I have good news and bad news. Well, what is it? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. I mean, that would drive people crazy. Here's people that have good news, and they go, and they made it known concerning this child. We ought to be talking about it with each other. Um, in youth group, when you guys go to Bible study after services and you, you, you go to retreats, you ought to be tell, you're telling each other about this. When Pastor John is speaking to you, he's telling you about this. When we go sit in small groups and we're talking about life, we're not just talking about our lives, but we're talking about this good news ultimately. Uh, when we are able to share with those who don't know him, it, it's us sharing with them about him. Um, we are all in the business of going and sharing this good news. And the last thing that they did was they worshiped. You see the whole progression? It goes from fear, and it goes all the way to worship. Um, verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and it, was, and it had been told them. They returned, they glorified and praised God for all that they heard and seen. They glorified and they praised God. When you worship something, it means the value of the object is worth more to you. Uh, it, it's worth that much more. I was um, watching this new show, and they were talking about uh, Adele. Adele is going to go and have a concert. And they were talking about how all her tickets sold out. And some people were reselling, the scalpers were reselling them for $10,000 plus. And how the average fan you know, couldn't go, and they were so sad, you know. 
and um, you know they were going to set aside tickets and all this stuff. You say, well, who's going to pay ten thousand dollars, right, to go watch, you know, Adele? Maybe maybe some of you might, you know, like I I could listen to our priest team, and they, I think they're just as good, and it's and it's free, right? And it's live. I could I could go to both services. I could listen to them twice. I could sit in the front row. Um, and it's fantastic, Adele, you know. Um, but why? Because we think when we think of worship or idols, it's not so much okay. You know, our culture in America, they, they create, you know, dolls or statues and they bow to it like in other cultures. No, but our idols are those we, we place a value on. So we say, boy, that pop star, that singer is worth $10,000. That's, that's kind of a worship. And when they come to God and they understand who Jesus is, and when they are worshiping, when we worship him, it's saying, I raise the value of him in my life. He is worth more to me than anything else. So worship isn't simply, oh, okay, the way I sing, I should clap, or I shouldn't clap. I should do this, I should. More than that, it's how we value the worth we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ought to always be number one. Sometimes you hear of famous athletes when they are interviewed about what is important in their lives. They always say, oh, you know, it's God, you know, family, football, you know, something like that. And the ones that are serious always tend to put God first. And I don't think it's just lip service, but they do put God first. And so I want to challenge you here on this Christmas day, young people, parents, uh, the rest of us here, um, to put God first. Make him worth more than anything in your life. Make him worth more than yourself. Make him worth more, make him worth more than your whole life. And there comes worship. And they worshiped in this way. This Christmas... You know, it's vacation for some, it's fun times, uh, it's presents and, and this and family and all of that. It's all good, but let's not forget the best thing, the ultimate thing in Jesus Christ. Let's make him worth everything to us, and let's worship him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to the shepherds, not to the uh, people who are high and mighty and not to um, just the well-off people, but to, to the lowly people, the average people, like God, and that's us. And God, we saw men who were fearful and trembling, Lord, we see them turn into worshipers, bold, joyful, God, and so would you work that through us as well? We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.